and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. My name is Alex Trimble, and this is the Executive Bill Podcast. As you know, this show, along with all of our speaking, coaching, and consulting services, are laser-focused on helping organizations prepare high-performing leaders from all backgrounds to successfully transition to and excel in VP and senior VP executive-level positions. And if you and your organization are serious about developing diverse and highly effective executive leadership teams, one, you're in the right place. And two, we encourage you to come visit us at gpsleadership.org or reach out to us at team at gpsleadership.org so we can discuss how we can help work together with you to help you and your organization reach its DEI and leadership development goals. Finally, the executive pill is now one of the top 5% most popular shows in the world, and this didn't happen by accident. It was you who made this happen, and it will be you who determines the continued success of this show. So please, if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Click the like button, click the share, and make sure you share your thoughts and questions in the comments section because we want to hear from you and actually engage in real conversation as, you know, adults do. (laughs) So with no further ado, let me say today is a good day. See, today we have the wonderful Dr. Gary McGrath. See, Dr. Gary has been labeled a unicorn in leadership development. He is a sought after and sought after for his knowledge and expertise in developing leaders and creating intentional cultures within companies built on leadership effectiveness at all levels. His vast and diverse leadership, educational, and professional experience creates a unique skill set that he utilizes daily to help benefit his clients. And, you know, after serving in the U.S. Army, he went on to, to manufacturing for 10 years where he, where he led multiple organizations before creating his own organization, Satarius, in 2009. You know, we're going to get going, but I do just have to call out also, you know, Dr. Gary has published and authored two books, one, Mastering Sales Leadership, and two, A CEO's Journey, The Seven Steps of Intentional Leadership. Without any further ado, how are you doing today, kind sir? I'm doing fantastic, as always, uh, Alex. How are you? Man, I'm good. I mean, honestly, <laughs> just hanging out with you, I'm always good. I'm always good. Well, you know, I, I, I get to always start every program with a little bit of gratitude, because gratitude and learning are two uh, specific values that Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology, connects to happiness. So let's be happy today. We get to learn from each other, learn uh, a few things, and uh, be grateful. And I'm, I'm grateful for being here and having an opportunity once again to speak about my favorite topic, leadership. Well, I want to start us off with a, a, a bit of a curveball then. Um, okay. You talked about gratitude. I have a pet peeve. Everyone, look, listen to me. Give me a second to put this out there. You can tell me if, if I'm crazy. Um, when I go into a place and I talk to someone and they say, I say, how are you doing? Well, I'm, 
I'm I'm not six feet below ground yeah. or yeah. I'm alive. And I'm like, that's right. a cop out answer um, because I, I really don't feel like I understand gratitude for being alive, but I feel like literally having a beating heart is kind of like a cop out. Like it's, it's such low level for us to be able to say we're happy. Like, cause there's a lot of people who are, who are excruciating pain to have a heartbeat. Right. And sure. so I like, like, where is that level of, yes, we can be, you know, gratitude is important versus like, what should we be aiming to be grateful for in our life? Well, so how blunt do you want me to be, Alex? Please, as blunt as you can, as blunt as a rusty old butter knife. <laughs> okay, so here, here's the thing with that. And I, I understand your point. And one of my great mentors, Dr. Marshall Swift said to me, when all else fails, do downward comparison, which means I'm better off than something else, some other situation that I'm in. And leadership is all about context. And so is communication. And when somebody says to me, well, I'm six feet above ground. I have no idea what the context of that conversation or that comment is, none. Mm -hmm. For all I know, they had a near-death experience last week and they're just grateful for being alive because of what's happened to them recently. Maybe they had a loved one that isn't above ground and they say, you know, I'm just grateful for being here. I'm just grateful for having a heartbeat. So when I look at that, I look at it in terms of context when we communicate. So I understand where you're coming from, where people, it's a, it's a low bar. But that day in their life, here's what I believe in leadership and in personal development and everything that we do in yeah. life. Everybody is doing the best they can at that moment. They're doing their best. Now, you may sit there and go, well, they could do better. Well, okay, I'm not going to judge them for that because I don't know what's going on in their life. Yeah. But what I do know is, is that everybody, everybody is struggling with something. Some yeah. of us are struggling with great things, some with small things. And our job is to help each other not to, uh, to, to try to get through the struggle, but not to suffer. Yeah. Our job in leadership and in, in, uh, personal interaction in friendships and in, in family and life is to help people from suffering. But struggle, struggle is not a bad thing. We learn from struggle. So if they're struggling with a life event or something, they go, I'm six feet above ground. Maybe that's the best they can do that day, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, Dr. Gary, this is why I love chatting with you. I know you and I can have just like full on conversations. Um, so here, here's the thing is one, I 100% agree with you on everything you just shared. And and I was having a conversation with um, a good friend of mine yesterday. She does. I think she's a, she's a DEI person in a corporation. And we talked about how the reality is that many of us are just programmed. We're mm -hmm. programmed to believe that this is all we, this is all we, we deserve, right? Mm -hmm. There, and, and, and here's the thing about mindset is that if you believe that all you deserve is, you know, to drink, be able to be able to afford some water today, then you're never going to go look for soda. It's a horrible comparison. Um, if you, if you believe that all you deserve is a, is a, as a part-time job, um, with no benefits, right? If that's what you truly believe that you deserve, then you're not going to, your mind is not going to be open to what other possibilities that could be. And then you go look for those. And again, there's a lot of people, it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot of people who, who are doing a job and I talk to them, when I, you know, work with my clients and whatnot. They just never expected, oh, I could be an executive. Like I, I could, I could rise. Up. Isn't that for people who went to like Dartmouth or, or Harvard or something like that? And, 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 it's a crazy mindset change. And I also just want to put it on the table. I was talking to a client I coached the other day and 
he makes really good money. He, he he's bringing he's in sales. He brings in about um, I think he said three fifty a year, and even he he has that challenge. Whereas okay, I have this, but but can I go to that next level? Is that for me? Am I reaching? And it's like again, like where's that you know that that baseline between yes, it is wonderful to be grateful for what you have, but how do we break out of that mindset to know that we can achieve and deserve more? You know. Well, so, you know, I have a model for this, as you, as you know, I've got the seven steps of intentional leadership that we use as our foundational model to develop leadership capabilities. And that model starts with an inside out approach to your point. Uh, I've, I've got to share with you, I've been doing a little bit of work with AI and I've been doing some playing with uh, artificial intelligence around leadership. And I asked the, uh, the AI, what are the top uh, six or seven areas that need to be developed? For leaders, the very first one was self-awareness. And that's what you're getting into is understanding what's my self-awareness around my own perceptions, judgments, and limitations that I'm putting on myself because of past conditioning. You know, we may have had parents that told us, you'll never be any better than the way you are today. You'll have teachers, you'll have uh, uh, someone important in your life that, that, gives you a false message that you believe as a child. Those false messages create a, a neural pathway that John Grinnell, who was one of the founders of Center for Creative Leadership, talks about false limiting beliefs. We have a false limiting belief that is hardwired. And unless we know what that is through self-awareness, we have a real challenge in life with trying to get through life in the way that you're talking about. So yeah. what do we mean by that? The person that you're talking about that says, I'll never be able to have a better job than a part-time job, right? That may be their belief because they don't feel that they have the value within Mm -hmm. themselves to give to an organization or to give to others that creates that kind of value. And that's why the very first component of the seven steps of intentional leadership, the first step is purpose. And the first component is a personal mission statement. Because here's what we find out about human life. And I'll say this to you and the work that you do, the work that I do. It doesn't matter what you do. What matters is how you feel every day and how you're living your life. Mm-hmm. And the question I have it for people when they write a personal mission statement is how do you want to live your life? How do you want to show up every day? Who do you want to impact? What kind of service do you want to provide? What do you need to do if you want to provide that service to others in a way that helps them? Because I'm going to become outwardly focused with some of this, but not to the point where I don't first take care of myself. Because if I want to help other people in the work that I, I do in leadership, I realized back in the 90s when I worked for Stephen Covey and Ken Blanchard, Stephen Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Ken Blanchard was the one minute manager, situational leadership. And I learned from them. And what I learned was this. If I want to really make an impact and follow their model, I need to have I, a couple of books. I need to have a terminal degree so I have credibility and I have understanding of research and things behind it. And I need a product that I can go out to people and say, look, this is a way. It's not the way. It's a way to help you. The seven steps helps people by saying, first of all, self-awareness. What's going on inside of you that's causing you to wake up every morning to either be grateful that I'm just alive or grateful that I get an opportunity to engage other human beings in a way that's positive, that's service-oriented, and that makes a difference. And is that what I want to do? Or 
Do I want to sit behind a screen and I'm really good at coding software and I want to make games and maybe bring some joy into people's lives because they like playing games or whatever it might be. We have so many freaking talents that people are not aware of that they, they get, they get just constricted in the beliefs in themselves. And by having this, this opportunity to open up and write a mission statement and engage other people and find out what your talents are, that's where the opportunity is. So to your point, what we can do as leaders is I might say, Alex, if you say, I, I feel I'm just glad I'm not six feet under, I may say, wow, Alex, that's interesting. What makes you feel that way today? And I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to, as Stephen Covey taught us, seek, seek first to understand before being understood. Rather than yeah. judging that person, ask a question. Well, you know, they might say, well, you know, my father died last year. And I'm just grateful that I'm, I'm standing here and I'm above ground. And what my dad, and this is a true, true part of it, my dad to his entire 80s, he lived to be 90, first male in our family to live past 60, okay? Wow. And he lived 30 years past 60 because of what he did to change his life. And what he would say almost every single day in his 80s, hey, dad, how you doing? I'm standing, I'm standing, okay? <laughs> I, and I, I, that would just fill my heart because he got it, you see? Yeah. Each day I'm standing so that I can go out and I can do something. And they, Alex, he, he drove for, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, Meals on Wheels. He did that for like 25 years up until like his late 80s yeah. delivering meals. And I would go out with him when I would visit him in Connecticut and, and go visit these people. He took just great joy because he didn't just dump the meal off. He would take whatever time that person wanted, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and talk to them. And he'd get in the, into the car with me and he'd go, you know, some of these people don't have anybody to talk to. Yeah. And I get to talk to them for 20, 25 minutes when I deliver their meals every uh, twice a week. And it just brings joy to their life. And, and I feel better about it. Are you ready to bring your DEI efforts to the next level? Introducing Alex Tremble, a professional speaker who combines expertise and entertainment to create an unforgettable experience for DEI professionals and organizing staff. With a focus on leadership, mentorship, and relationship building, Alex is dedicated to helping organizations attract, develop, and retain diverse and high-qualified leaders. From the 12 pillars of an effective mentoring relationship to the seven must-have leadership skills, Alex provides practical advice that can be immediately implemented. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have Alex at your next event. Contact team at alextrimble.com to book the speaker who will take your organization's diversity and inclusion journey to new heights. You, you know, you've, you just laid down so much. <laughs> you've laid down so much. So the, the first thing I want to talk about is really quickly, just even just mention is that self-talk, right? That, you know, what you are capable of, what you've been, what you've been educated to believe about yourself, right? That's what's actually happening. And, you know, I was talking to a, a client of mine the other day and, you know, it's interesting how if you walk into a room and you look around and everyone says, and you think to yourself, oh my God, I shouldn't be here. These people are so much smarter than I, me, than I am. Um, oh my God, I'm the only black person there. I'm the only woman here. I'm the only blob, fill in the blank here. I'm the only big Old person. blind guy or blob, old bald guy. <laughs> I, you know, not that that means anything, but. People discriminated based on hair and age, right? I'm the only older right. person. So, 
if you if you get into your mindset, you're you're telling yourself these things, and you're like, oh my god, these these things that people are saying about me. You gotta kind of step back and say, oh shoot, one, um, I'm not a, a mind reader. I'm not Miss Cleo. Um, I don't know how to um, read minds. So what I'm actually hearing is not other people's perspectives about me. What I'm hearing is my perspective of me. Exactly. That's crazy, right? Um, so that self-talk is huge. And then you, you talked about your, your dad doing Meals on Wheels. I just want to share a real quick story that I actually share in my upcoming book, um, which is specifically focused on helping leaders build intentional connections. And one of the aspects is but, but learning about other people, right? Learning. And my wife and I, um, we go, there's a local Target and there's a guy who lives out there He's he's um, he's experiencing homelessness and he's been out there for a while. His name is Stephen, so we'll sit and talk to him um, every once in a while, just you know, he's engaging him. And and he shared with us, he's like, man, like you know, some people get really upset with me. We're like, well, why? And he says, well, because you know they'll drop off food, and they'll try to give me food because like there's a there's a, a Wendy's right across the street, right, and right across the parking lot, like, they'll drop off food, and I and I tell him I can't take it, and they get upset with me, and like, but they don't understand. I have diabetes. I can't eat the mm-hmm. food. I can't drink the soda. Like if they would ask me, I'd tell them, please get me a salad or, you know, something like that. Um, but he said they, they, they drop the food up, they get upset with them. And it underscored the point as you're talking about you, how do you can't build a real relationship with someone unless you will are willing to li- ask questions and listen. Yeah. Nothing like a frosty for a diabetic. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing is we, we don't know the context mm-hmm. of the life that person is living. And one of the things I learned you know, many years ago, uh, I'm a certified meditation instructor with uh, Chopra and we bring meditation into our leadership programs to help people quiet this, this mind, quiet the voice that's constantly talking and yeah. slow it down. And one of the things that, that we practice is non-judgment. And it's one of the hardest things we just automatically go to judgment. We're taught as children, right? right? To, to, to be judged, all right? Uh, if I get, you know, uh, a grades from school, you know, first grade and I get a, a, a C and four A's, you know, the parents are gonna talk to me about the C. I mean, it's like freaking first grade, okay? Well, I mean, you know, my, my career, my life is over because I got a C in writing, you know, I've, I've got terrible penmanship, right? And, and of course, it turns out, you know, this was many, many years ago. It turns out I don't write anymore. I type everything. So I never had to learn how to write cursive ever. Okay? In fact, they don't even teach it in school anymore. So it's really fascinating what we were judged on in our history in the past. But as children, we don't know any better. You know, we don't know that these are hardwiring our own internal judgments. Is that I'm inadequate. I'm not worthy. I'm not loved. I'm not lovable. I'm, I'm not good enough. Yeah. And these things, if we understand them, this is what I love about the work John Brunel does that sometimes augments what I do with leaders. I'll send them to John to understand these false living beliefs so that they can deal with them because it's so hardwired, I'm not going to be able to change it. Okay. Yeah. So just so people understand exactly what I'm talking about, I am a self-professed stupid person. Okay. I feel stupid. Why do I feel stupid? Because I have a reading disability I didn't find out about until I was 35 when I was eight years old and I was living in Scotland. My dad was in the Navy and I was, uh, he was stationed in Scotland. I had to stand before class and read to the class. And here's, here's the problem I have. 
Okay, so here's my book, you know, and I'm, I'm reading the book and I'll read a sentence. Um, I'm going to trust the process. That means we need to, uh, input. I'll get to a word I don't understand and my brain shuts down. Now at eight years old, I didn't know what that was. I just yeah. felt stupid. And I was in a class as the only American in a, in a classroom of Scottish kids yeah. that are laughing at you because you can't read at eight years old. They're thinking you're stupid. So I felt stupid. Found out, you know, almost 30 years later, I had a reading uh, challenge. I'm not going to call it a disability because we all have these things yeah. uh, that causes my mind to kind of go wacky when I'm reading. Okay. So here's the point. I can either embrace that, that feeling of stupidity and go, oh, there's the feeling because here's what would happen, Alex. When I was younger and didn't know this, and I'm competing at Procter & Gamble with other high potential people, mm -hmm. I would jump in with some comment trying to show people that I'm smart, try to prove to people that I'm smart. Yeah. And I've had that challenge my entire life where I speak up because I'm trying to show that I'm smart. And all I do is talk over people. I ended up being discourteous, not a good team player. So many things that got in my way because of this false living belief. And yeah. you, you used the word earlier, crazy. Look, I have a degree in mechanical and metallurgical engineering that I finished in four years. I was, a, I was an officer in the army. I have certifications in med meditation, tennis, and I got a doctorate in uh, marketing. Look, dude, I'm not stupid. But that doesn't mean in certain situations, I don't feel stupid. Yeah. And when I feel that, I need to embrace it, understand it, and not let it drive my mouth, my behaviors, my thinking because of this false limiting belief. I can shut it down, slow it down, and take control of it. I still feel it, but yeah. not as intensely. And that is the epitome of self-awareness and managing my thoughts, my actions, and my judgments to myself so that I can then be effective with others. Dude, I, I, I love, I love everything you just said. And I, I, I'm underscore for everyone. And please, you know, let us know if, you, if you've ever felt this, you ever felt stupid or inadequate. You, know, you, you don't got to say what it was. Just, 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 put a, just put a ping, just, just put a yes in the comments. The, the point you made about all of us having this. And I, I always talk about the um, Criminal Minds show. How you know yeah. these these people are really quote unquote bad murderers and things like that and or bad criminals and what, what the interesting thing about the show is that all of them had something happen in the past that pushed them in that direction that 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 taught them those behaviors that this is the way they should act and what I want to bring up right now is that yes those are all quote unquote criminals in that show but the same thing applies to all of us. Every mm -hmm. single one of us, we are we are a composite of what has happened and what we've learned and how we interpreted those those experiences as we were younger, and then we we build it into our personality. And so maybe I talk a lot because because I lived in a household where everyone talked, and if I didn't speak enough, no, I would never be heard. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe I I don't like reading in public because you know I I I was able to get through a lot of my school without um without having to actually read um, because people just liked, you know, your personality. And so now you learn, oh my God, I'm not a great reader. And so now I'm even more nervous to read that. Now you're messing up on an accident. Like all of us have something about our personality that is impacted by our past. And the only way to, to successfully, I believe, navigate those is that self-reflection, is that meditation, is that being very intentional to slow down and say, oh shoot, why did I do that? Why do I feel this way? 
and start ha- exploring that. What, what are your thoughts? The, the, the challenge then is, okay, once you become aware of it, it's not a good or a bad thing. It just mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the awareness creates an understanding of what it might be. And you may never, you know, if you go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, you may never be able to connect exactly what, what happened in your life that caused yeah. that. Now I, I can go back and, and realize it. All right. Because of some situations that happened in my, my youth, but there's other situations that I'm sure reinforced that, but I didn't know it. The next step though, is to say, okay, acceptance, mm-hmm. acceptance through awareness. Here I am. This is the way I am. It doesn't mean that this is the way I have to be. Yeah. That what that is what the mission statement is for. I have a personal mission statement that reminds me of the person I want to be showing up every day, of how I want to help in service to other people develop their leadership capabilities. And one of the things I want to highlight here in the work that I do, Alex, is I talk about leadership. I don't talk about leaders. I talk about leadership because mm-hmm. everybody can develop a certain level of leadership capabilities and leadership skills so that they can speak up and their voice can be heard at a point in time where their expertise, their knowledge, or their perspective on something is really, really valuable and important. Mm -hmm. But if they don't learn the skill of communicating and being able to speak up or a way of maybe going and talking to an individual that can speak for them, whatever it might be, their voice needs to be heard. The problem is, is that we're often only giving leadership capabilities and the skills of communication, of emotional intelligence, of decision-making, critical thinking, and so on to the high performers. Yep. Now, research does show that high performers will in, uh, engage these skills more effectively, more quickly, and develop them more uh, uh, faster in their life. It, it, there's studies that show high potentials will we'll get more out of leadership development and training. But that doesn't mean that we just ignore everybody else. Yeah. If we can make everybody in the organization 10% better and the organization could be 5% more efficient, could you imagine what that would do? That's the difference. 5% is the difference between being profitable and unprofitable or unprofitable and profitable. It's, in, it's these small incremental improvements. A lot of the clients that we're working with now we do leadership. We have a nine-month leadership development program, very intense, nine months for high, perfect, uh, high potentials. And it might only be over the course of time, my number one client is Baker Roofing. I'll throw it out there. We're going into our 10th program with them. They've trained about 150 people in this program. They now have 3,000 people in the company. But those 150 people at the top of the organization are impacting everybody and creates a culture of leadership, not just management. A leadership culture, which means as we define leadership, is the ability to build relationships so we can achieve our goals together with compassionate accountability. And by having a culture of compassionate accountability, one of the things that they do that just fascinates me about this organization all the time, Alex, is they find somebody who doesn't do a good job. Rather than firing them, if their values of compassionate accountability, or in this case, I say, work hard and get along. Do those two things at Baker Riffing, work hard and get along. They will be fine and they'll find a position for them. I've seen people try two, three, four positions before they find something that they can do. Instead of throwing them out, they will spend two, three, four years finding a position for these people. And they're big enough to be able to do that. But they've invested a tremendous amount of time, effort, and money since 2014, putting 150 people through this program so that they can learn compassionate accountability through the leadership skill 
of emotional intelligence and coaching. And we, we need to teach everybody this stuff, not yeah. just a few. You, you know, you, again, you talked about the high performers versus the, 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 the masses, the broader community, we'll say. What I'm hearing also is that the reality is that I think talent um, is fairly universal. I, I feel like I think everyone has something that they're good at, something. Uh, there's different levels and whatnot, but everyone has something they're good at. Um, so talent is universal, but opportunity is not. Because mm. the reality is that I may have some really, really great talent and you have some really, really great, great talent. But you know what? The, the person likes me. And so I am deemed a high performer. And then so the organization then decides to invest more in me. Um, and now you, not never in this in the real world, but now you're being left behind a little bit, right? And yeah. so one of the things I, I've been, again, this, this book I'm coming out on of being very intentional with how you build connections in those relationships, you know, I would like to know how important has the relationship building um, building connections, how important has that been within your, even your, your business or whether it was when you were in uh, corporate, the, the corporate space, moving up the leadership ranks? Well, I can, I can talk about that from two different aspects because as a young uh, officer in the military, uh, as a uh, manufacturing manager and director, I was so focused on getting the results because I was brought up by uh, a military officer who was in the greatest generation, you work hard, you keep your nose to the grindstone, you get the results and good things will happen. That is complete crap. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you, 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 have to, you have to do good work, okay? You have to get good mm -hmm. results. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, there's politics involved and there are uh, friendships involved. And as, as you, you said, you have the word intentional in your book, the seven steps of intentional leadership have so many aspects of it, but it doesn't just happen. All right. It's, it's got to be intentional. So one of the things that we do in our program with our coaching is we tell people, find a mentor or mentors within the company and outside the company. Because the fact of the matter is you can't get yourself promoted. It's impossible for you to get yourself promoted because you don't make that decision. Somebody else does. So you need somebody else in the room that's going to support you and help you get there when the time comes and the opportunity presents itself, that's going to fight for you. Sometimes it's fighting for your job. Sometimes it's fighting to keep you or let you go. Yeah. Sometimes it's for a promotion, but you need an advocate. You need a sponsor within the organization. There's actually three types of people within organizations that we tell people to build relationships with a coach, a mentor, and a sponsor. Okay. A coach and a mentor. And the relationships are different. Each one of those mm -hmm. is different. Okay. A mentor typically uh, they have no skin in the game. They're just there to kind of give you advice, help you out and let you go on your way. A coach is someone that has connected results with you. They're going to they're going to help you grow your career. They, it might be your boss. It might be somebody that's um, uh, in another position in the organization that can guide you and ask you really tough questions. And a sponsor is somebody that's going to be looking out for you. OK, um, and uh, their results might also be part of it, because I've seen people through their careers where if, uh, if I report to you, Alex, mm -hmm. and you get promoted, next thing I know, a couple of months later, I get promoted, I'm working for you again, right? And, and you go along with that career. So it's intentional. You yeah. build these relationships for a purpose and it's, it's open, it's honest, and you do it for a reason and people know what the reasons are. Man, again, Gary, and I, that, that point about the last point about you said also about 
you know, you getting promoted and then you promote that person and this keeps going. I actually literally talk about a story of that in my, my new book, because there are so many different strategies on how to be intentional and in, in, in building these and navigating these relationships. Gary, look, I know you got to jump off. Um, I think you told me you have, a, you have a call with John Maxwell and Jeff Bezos. And <laughs> um, so if, if yeah, Jeff is ghosting me, but OK. Go ahead. <laughs> he may just be busy, busy on the yacht today. You know, maybe yeah, tomorrow. Then. Right. Um, I'd like to know from you, like, are there any final thoughts, ideas, anything you have to share with our, with our, uh, our audience before we begin to wrap up? Well, I, I think I want to go back to a word that you said earlier that I, I want to highlight and then uh, wrap it up. And that's talent. And, um, you know, I've got a couple of sons. I've got five grandkids now. And, you know, we talk about as parents and grandparents. And I look at these children growing up and I mean, they're men now. I mean, my my youngest is 40. And when he was growing up, we said, you got a lot of talent, but you have to have the drive to learn what to do with that talent. You have to educate yourself, train yourself practice, apply, work on it, fail, try again, but develop these talents in a way that uh, fills your life, fills your heart, uh, fills your mind with excitement and, and, and joy for yourself and your family. Because talent without discipline is worthless. Talent without hard work is worthless. Angela Duckworth's book, Grit, you know, uh, Passion and Perseverance. If you don't have the perseverance, you can have the passion, but if you don't have the perseverance, you know, it's not going to happen. But the other part about talent is finding the talent that you have because it's unique. And the problem is a lot of people don't have the opportunity to find out what it is. There are, there are documented nine different types of intelligence, okay? Intellectual intelligence, emotional intelligence, musical intelligence, small hand dexterity intelligence, all kinds of intelligence. So when people say we're smart, I say, no, what are we smart at? We need to focus on what you're smart at what your talents are, and then work your ass off on that to try to add value somewhere that will uh, help human beings, help people, help yourself, help your family. When you do that, you can be successful and you'll feel successful. That's just about being successful. It's feeling successful because you get to apply the talents and the skills that you have to make this a better world. If we can do that, if we can become aware of that, and take the opportunities. And I will also say that a lot of the work that you're working on, Alex, and, and that we need to do, continue to do more work with DEI, and I like DEIB, okay, belonging is helping people feel like they belong in this society, in this world. I experienced it for two years in Scotland. I didn't belong. Mm -hmm. And we used to get beat up every day, and the Scottish kids didn't like us. And when you understand the context of it, someday I'll explain it, but I understood it. But I got to come home. And there's a lot of people in this country that are home and they're not being felt like they belong. And that's just wrong. I raised my hand and I've got the flag right behind me with my captain's bars on it to take a note to the Constitution of the United States to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I will tell you, that's what I stand for. And this country needs to come together. And the leaders of this country need to bring us all together to use all the talents that we have, not just some of them, because some people have a different color of skin or a different ethnic background or a different um, language or whatever it is. This country has been built on immigration and, and done it for 250, 300 years. And we need to get back to our roots and support the talents of every individual and to make this country a, a country where people feel like they belong again. So 
I don't know. I, you got you got me on a on a, a <laughs> soapbox here, Alex, and I, Look, I hope amen. That people get the message. Amen, Gary. Look, if y'all agree with what Gary just said, put amen in the chat box. <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen. Hey, Gary, again, thank you so much, so much for, for spending some time with us. I, I know that I have grown by hearing you. So I know, I know, I know our audience members have done the same thing. So you, you all know where I'm going with this. If you found something of value, if something set on your heart is going to change how you, how you see the world and how you interact with the world, don't just say, hey, look, that person over there should have been here. Don't, don't, do, don't just look back reach back, bring someone else to the table. And even more importantly, bring this to them, share it, like it, comment, do whatever you can to continue to support this show, because the more you support this show, the more that others will also benefiting. So really, you're not really benefiting me. Um, you're benefiting your neighbor and your friends and your colleagues and so many other individuals. So again, I just want to say thank you for always being here. Thank you for consistently listening and participate in this in, in this phenomenal community we've developed over the last now three years. As always, I encourage you to stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trumbull, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and his speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.